Are you a musician interested in improving your performance? Welcome to Notes on Jazz. I'm your host, Keith Davis. If you want to learn more about jazz improvisation, harmony, and composition, or just want to improve your piano skills, this is the place for you. We'll be hosting interviews with fellow musicians, offering tips and techniques on study and practice, and lots of other cool stuff. Whatever instrument you play, or if you're a vocalist, you will find something helpful and interesting here. So come hang out with us at Notes on Jazz. I'm here with my good friend and musical partner, Ron Brindle. Hi, Ron. How's it going today? Very good. How about you? Uh, not bad, man. I've been looking forward to this. Ron's uh, been gracious enough to agree to do my first interview for this podcast. So, and uh, actually, my first interview ever. So we'll see how see how it goes here. I'm hoping for the best. So, uh, just a little background. I've known Ron for quite a while. I was trying to remember when we actually met. I remember the the time I first became aware of you was back in about 1998, 99 at the Brevard Jazz Festival. Um, I just knew that you were playing there. I heard your name and someone told me, oh, there's Ron right there. I said, okay, well, we, we never actually met, but I became aware of you back then. I don't think we met until, I think the first time I actually met you was in Asheville at one of those composers forum. It was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Gerhardt, I think, maybe. Yeah, Gerhardt, probably. You were playing with Bill, probably, yeah. I think so, yeah. But uh, I remember the first time we ever played together, though, was at Sullivan's in Charlotte. Sullivan Steakhouse. Yeah. yeah, you were playing that blonde bass, I remember. Do you remember what year that was? That, I don't know. Uh, we haven't played. Had to have been after, yeah, after 2001. So sometime in the early 2000s. I remember we started playing together and I was like, well, okay, I gotta, I have to listen a whole different way playing with you, you know? Because I just noticed how melodically you were playing, you know what I mean? It's like a, it was a, it was just a different um, experience for me to play with you. And I right away I just um, I, I knew that we were going to have a good time playing together, you know? Yeah, I felt and, the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We played a thing together too down in Greenville with um, that trumpet player from Raleigh. Um, remember, uh, and Seth was playing sax. Oh yes, yeah, Seth Carper. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, that, um, sorry, I can't. I can't, I can't remember his name either. Anyway, well, I'll, the first I'll, time we played together. I don't think that was the first time, but that was maybe the second or third time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, anyway, after that, after we played together, we we had a, a few other opportunities, and then you and I—I I remember you and I started talking about we should do some recording together, you know. And then, uh, and then we ended up playing that gig with Justin, Justin Watt, and uh, and that was. I mean, we all just sort of looked at each other and went, "Wow, this is nice." You know, we should do this some more, <laughs> and and that sort of led into us forming this trio, right? And yeah, make, making a couple of CDs and playing. Not enough gigs yet, but hopefully more to come. Since we've known each other a long time, we've talked a lot about all this stuff, so. Uh, I didn't write down a whole lot of questions. I just thought that um, that I'd ask you a, a few things, like how you got started playing music, first of all. Um, the first act, the act of actually trying to get a sound out of something um, was probably at my great-grandmother's house, my, mo my grandmother's mother out in Union Grove. <clears throat> she had an old pump organ. Well, wow. so I used to sit at 
that I could barely reach the pump, but I could, I got the concept of, of creating music from, from an object from that. Yeah. And I remember one specific time, um, my, I was at my grandma's house and she had her silverware set out, you know, <laughs> and I picked up the knives and I started playing them like a xylophone because I noticed that, that each, like the spoons had a different tone from the forks and the forks had, a different, you know, so I realized that something clicked in me at that point. Yeah. It must've been like five years old or something like that. But I have to, rem- I, I would go back to that memory all the time, you know, picking up something and, and make producing tones out of something or playing that old pump organ that was and then uh later i got interested in uh in playing guitar yeah uh, I, I saw the beatles live on the ed sullivan show you know in 1964 whenever it was and uh i had to have a guitar pretty soon after that so nice. i started playing guitar around the age of 12 and mm-hmm. i i I didn't really know how to read music and I, I really wanted to be in the band uh, in elementary school. We used to have bands in elementary school um, in the fifth grade. And I, I was, I just, I wanted to play saxophone, you know, more than anything. And my parents, uh, we evidently, you know, we couldn't afford it and they didn't think I'd follow through with it. But I, w- I kind of regret that because I learned to read music much later you know um i took piano le- i started taking piano lessons from a lady when i was in about uh 11th or 12th grade right. uh, and that, it was you know reading i can do it but it, it's not i'm not a brilliant sight reader or anything i can look at something and figure it out but i think if i had had the earlier training it would come easier for me but um so I picked up a guitar at age 12 and I, I learned to read the chord symbols out of a Beatles songbook. And yeah, then, cool. then I learned just how to listen to once I found some chords, you know, I could listen to music and pick them out, like listen to a record. So I lar- largely learned how to play by ear, you know, uh, which comes easier to me now. And I played guitar. I was twelve. I was twelve in nineteen sixty-seven. Yeah, so uh, played guitar all the way through high school, and some talent shows and things like that, and local little local rock bands. And <clears throat> I was doing a high school talent show, and the band director, the assistant band director. I uh, can't remember his name now. It, Ed Wall, I think, but he was, he, you know, he, he get, he was a gigging musician too, when he wasn't helping direct band. And he wanted me to play blues in the night with him on a talent show. He played acoustic piano and I played guitar. And that was so totally foreign to me because I was used to playing in rock bands, you know, and with a drummer and bass player and everything singers. So he's like, I said, just guitar and piano. He said, yeah, I said, just, just guitar and piano. We'll play a little blues. You can take a solo. Nice. And, uh, and we did. And that was another kind of eye-opening moment for me. Like, so any two people can sit down, <laughs> no matter what <laughs> instrument they play, and play some music together. That was, that was a, 
sounds kind of stupid now, but it, it was really a, an eye-opening experience. Yeah, no, I don't think that's stupid at all. I think that I mean that's a moment where you it's like an epiphany. You go like, wow, this is like yeah. this is a new thing to discover. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I remember like the first time I played like a blues lick on the piano. I was probably twelve or thirteen. I was just playing something like out of a Paul McCartney book or something. And I accidentally played this blues lick and I was like, Whoa, what was, what just happened here? You know, I was like, wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> felt something. Yeah. <laughs> felt something, right. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah. So you, I, played, I, so you played guitar for a, a I while? I played guitar huh? through college. Oh, okay. All right. Right. I, I went to, I went a couple of years at a, uh, I grew up in Statesville, North Carolina, and uh, <clears throat> there was a private college there for about 100 years called Mitchell College. And the year I graduated from high school, it became a community college. And so I went there for two years while living at home. But they had a really good music department. Uh, Martha Artuso was the piano teacher and taught music theory. And she played piano for the North Carolina Symphony. Oh, and, and Joanne Alexander was a great voice teacher. And I sang in the chorus and played guitar for things. And uh, then I went to Appalachian State, ASU up in Boone. And I played guitar in the, in the, in the big band, in the college big band, which another, it was another you know, wonderful eye-opening experience because I got introduced to, to real jazz. When I was yeah, in college, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I don't mean like real jazz, but I, I had been listening to like Mahavishnu Orchestra, uh, yeah, things yeah. like that, Larry Coryell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I got to, you know, we'd play the big band rehearsals and we'd, I'd go hang out with some horn players, you know, at, at their place afterwards and we put on records. And that's where I first heard Charlie Parker and uh, Miles and Eric Dolphy. And so I'm kind of a late bloomer in that respect because uh, I guess I was in my late teens before I really heard that kind of, you know, you know, real jazz. But uh, but I, I, that was that was another eye opening experience. And so uh, I played guitar through through college and I got a job. What I went to school to do was to repair violins and cellos and ba uh, basses, the stringed instruments the fretless instruments, not the violin family. So I came to Charlotte to get a, to work for John Sipe, who was a violin maker. And during the, the time I was working there, I, he, he didn't like to work on the basses or cellos. So he would let me do that. So I would fix the basses, cut bridges, clean fingerboards, whatever, you know, tune them up and pluck on them, you know? And I got one day I'm like, I could probably play one of these, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got <clears throat> really, really interested in in that, especially after one <clears throat> one of the people I met who it was a giant influence on me at ASU was Frank Kimbrough, who you know well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Frank. You know. Yeah, Frank. I met Frank in 1975. We were both students at Appalachian, and okay. we discovered a lot of music together because Frank worked at a at, at a record store in Boone and he took his, he, he took his payment in records Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like or at least some of it, you know, and That's he would correct. come up and he had his apartment was above mine, I believe, uh, in, in, in Boone. And 
he would come in with a stack of records and, and, uh, Oh, you got to hear this, uh, this new miles Davis thing, you know, big fun or, uh, whatever. And so we would group of us would, you know, gather, you know, in someone's apartment with a good stereo and put these records on. And it was just like, as if we were watching a movie or something, we, you know, we wouldn't talk we would maybe comment a little bit, you know, on something or another, but, um, that was an important part of growing musically for me was just listening and collective listening with, with other guys and other musicians. And Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's listening is so important. It's, I try to stress that to all my students, you know, um, that, you know, you and I have sort of have similar experiences. I was kind of a late starter at this too, but, um, but man, listening is, that's how you really learn is about that must be <laughs> half a, the learning process you know i think so yeah you just get so many ideas you get so yeah you have so many ideas and you get the feel of what it feels like that's what i noticed about my students they don't they my students aren't exposed to this music a lot you know young people aren't really exposed to this music yeah. very much so they don't know what it feels like you know and uh, i think that's the idea of how the phrasing feels and and just the different styles like whether it's swing or latin or whatever style it is um it, you yeah. can't get them unless you listen to the music, you know. So you said you played in the college, you, you played in the college jazz band, and uh, back to that for a minute. So you must have been reading music on the guitar by then, uh, to some degree. Some degree, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It, you know, I could I could take it in the practice room and 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 do it, right? You know, but but somebody put a chart with a with a written guitar line. Right. Couldn't sight read it, you know, but I could take it. Right. You know, I, I might take it to one of the saxophone players. I, I, I would hear there. I'd hear these guys practicing. You know, there's a couple guys. They were good friends of mine up there, and I would, I would take. Hey, man, uh, play this for me <laughs> on your saxophone, and I would have my little cassette recorder, <laughs> and I would. They would just play it for me. I learned it by ear. You know, <laughs> yeah, right, 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 sure. But I'd, that's I'd funny. Learned. I played in a college jazz band too, and I couldn't read either. Where I mean, I could read chord <laughs> symbols of some. I I was taking lessons by then, you know. But yeah. I always had a hard time reading. I still don't. I'm still not comfortable with sight reading. I mean, I can read for like, me. unless it's real easy. Unless it's quarter notes. Yeah, right. Sure, sure. I'm, I feel the same way. That's I'm I'm real timid about reading sight reading. You know, in front of people, especially. <laughs> yeah, oh, me too. So, so you switched over to bass uh, at the at that point when you were playing. You were working in that right. shop working on the instruments. Right, I deviated. That's right. I deviated from my story. I I, I was. Right. I went to, to go back to touch on how I met Frank. But, yeah, I uh, want to talk about Frank too. Actually, yeah. Frank and uh, Frank and another good friend of mine, Lyles West, and uh, Rich Rosenswag, a drummer. They had a right. they, and uh, and and Bobby Mack. You know, you know Bobby Bobby Lost Moss. Shit. Yeah, I'm all uh, sure. They had a quartet called Hands, and I was living in Charlotte working for John Sipe, and they would come, when they would get a gig, they would all stay at my place. And oh, um, But we'd all go record shopping, you know, uh, the next day after their gig. <laughs> there were several record stores around Charlotte at that point. Frank and I and Lyles, we'd go hit a couple record stores. And one day, Frank... <laughs> bought this record back and we listened, we bring the stuff back and listen to them on my stereo. And uh, Frank had bought this record with Hampton Halls on piano and Charlie Hayden on bass oh, yeah. called as long, as long as there's music. Yeah. And it's on the artist house label. 
those beautiful artist house records that folded out and they had music and stuff in them and, you know, great liner notes. <clears throat> but um, Frank put that record on and I heard Charlie play one note, like a low F or something. And it just, it just sucked me in. Yeah. And I just sat there. One of those, <clears throat> one of those eye opening, another, you know, where I just sat there and like, man, this guy, God, what a, what a sound. I just want to, he didn't play, he'd played like maybe four notes, you know, I thought, God, that's what I want to do. I want to sound like that. I want to play bass and sound just like that. You know, and he wasn't a pyrotechnical player, you know, but just the sound and the tone and the soul that came through. Right. I wanted to try to, so I, I got interested in, in upright bass and, <clears throat> Fortunately, I was working at, at a place where I could play them, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, we, you know, we'd have one or two for sale, and I would go mess with it. And I, I bought one. Uh -huh. It was like a student model, and I played with it. And then I got to go study with Charlie Hayden. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah, in 1985, he did a thing. Uh, there's a there's so a place. That's not in, too long. And that's what? not too long. That's not too long after this period that you're talking about, or is it during this period? Actually, you were still working at the store, or was it? I was still. I was still working. Yeah, I was still. Uh, let's see. At, at eighty five. At eighty five. Yeah. No, I think I had quit by then. Yeah, yeah. That's after. But yeah, my, my my son was born in eighty three, and I quit. Gotcha. I were quit. you already playing gigs, and were you already playing gigs with people? I mean, you must have already been playing by then. Oh, I was playing gigs. Yeah, I was. I was playing yeah. lots of gigs. Um, yeah, yeah. About uh, when did you start playing? About how old were you when you started playing gigs? I was twenty six when I started playing bass. Okay. Oh, really? And, wow. Yeah. And and, and 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 uh, <clears throat> I worked out of you know Abersol books, Abersol play alongs. You know, right. the, I got the Ron Carter book, right, right. Able Walking Bass Lines, and the Ray Brown book. And <clears throat> I took a lesson with a great bass player who's uh, gone now, but uh, back in Greensboro, there was a fellow named Charles Dungey. And he was a great bass player. He lived in Nashville for a while. And I've got, I got records with him playing with Lenny bro, the guitar player. Yeah. Well, so he, he gave me my first lesson wow. and uh, he was really a generous guy. He got me started. He just said, the start in the Samandel book, which is this the one of the, the, the basic classical bass. It just shows you how to play the bass, shows you where positions are, where to shift, that type of thing. He's just starting the Samandel book and you can do it, you know, you know. And um so that's kind of what it was. I was largely self-taught, listened yeah. to a lot of records and you know, learned to transcribe some some bass lines and just listen to people's styles, you know. Yeah, Charlie was my first and biggest influence, but I really, I really like, uh, like Reggie Workman. Reggie Workman is awesome. And, uh, and, and, um, uh, Jimmy Garrison, uh, you know, some of those guys are, you know, Wilbur Ware, you know, Charlie was really influenced by Wilbur Ware. So of yeah. course I went back and listened to a lot of that stuff, but yeah, yeah. 
I could hear that. Man, you know, that when we made that um that quartet record, I mean I've always been aware of Sam Jones, of course, but um but that really opened me up opened my ears up to Sam Jones more, man. And I got a mm. Eastern Rebellion thing with um Cedar Walton on piano and um George Coleman. Wow, man. Cedar Walton. Jones yeah, my and, mind. Uh, yeah, Sam yeah, Jones. I got that. Man. Uh who's the bass player on that? Um Sam Will Jones. Lee. Sam Jones, right, right. Oh yeah, right. I was thinking of Glass. I was thinking of those other records with that same group, uh, with Clifford Jordan, like Glass Glass okay. Bead Games, okay. Glass Bead Games. Oh, yeah, with that with, uh, Cedar Walton. I think yeah, Sam Jones and Billy Higgins is drummer. Right? Yeah. Big influence. All those guys, man. I mean, you know, I got to meet Ray Brown one time. Yeah, and, well. And he was so nice and, and very generous. And uh, yeah, you he, had a story about Ray Brown, man. About uh, you, you told me something. Didn't you get a? Uh, you asked him for a lesson or something? Didn't you tell me you asked him for a lesson? Oh no! Uh, I, he played at at this place in Charlotte called Maynard's years ago, and he came. Uh, there was a piano player here at one time in Charlotte named Newton Thomas. Newton was really good. He was like a bebop player and he and Ray Brown were friends and they would play, they would play together and they would play golf together and, and, and hang out and stuff. And, uh, he, uh, he had, he got ready to do a clinic at, 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 a, at a McFadden music store. And, and I got, to, there were so many people trying to get to him and everything. And, and I, I said, Mr. Brown, I said, could you, demonstrate maybe talk a little bit about thumb position you know playing up in the up. and he said yeah I, i'd love to man but he said you know we've got to go we've got to get back to the hotel and get dinner and get to the gig and he said are you going to be there tonight i said i said yes i, I am and he said he said we'll get you a seat right in front of the base <laughs> so I, I got there early yeah. and i got a seat you know saw the base laying there i got a seat i was right in front of him maybe 20 feet away and they, it was the, the group was Milt Jackson on vibes and uh, Ronnie Matthews, I think, on piano, Jimmy Roker on drums. I think that's right. But anyway, so Ray was playing, and you know, and he was he was kind of looking around, and I was right in front of him, and I, all of a sudden he saw me, he made eye contact with me, and he just kind of looked at me a little bit. And, and 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 so he he got a solo. He got a bass solo. And he went right up into thumb position, and played like a textbook thumb position solo. And I was watching his fingers, and I and I and I and I looked at him, and he was looking right at me. He was like, "Here it is, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm laying it down. Are you get?" And every every time he took a solo, it was like that. He was almost like pointing the bass in my direction and and playing all this thumb position stuff. And afterwards, I got to speak with him, and I said, uh, "I said uh, uh, thanks for the bass lesson, Mr. Brown." And he said, "Did you get all that little cuz?" And I said, "Well, I don't know if I got it all, but I said it was that was quite an education." He was very friendly, generous, great guy. That's great, man. That's great, man. Yeah. <coughs> so tell and me more about too. yeah. I'm sorry, say that again. And, and a big influence, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, all these bass players are so different. 
mean, you know, yeah, Ray Brown yeah. is different from Mingus. Mingus sure. is different from Gary Peacock. You know, Gary Peacock. They all they all are like so worlds apart, but they 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 make their thing happen. You know, right, right. And that's the thing. The biggest lesson I got from studying and listening with Charlie, listening listening to Charlie and studying with, with him is is like, yeah, he may not have the facility of someone like, uh, you know, John Patitucci or Christian McBride or somebody who can just, you know, get all over the base, but he makes what he has work, you know? Right. And he said, he does what bass players do 95% of the time anyway, support other, <laughs> other musicians, you know? Right. Right. Sure. And try to make, yeah, he, as Charlie used to say, try to make everything beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Did he say that? Yeah, that's what he would say. He said, I just yeah. want to make everything beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's great, man. You know? You, know, you know, that's what I tell my students, man. Even if it's something really simple, you know, try to make everything you play beautiful, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I tell, you know, I do Tai Chi and Bagua, and I was up seeing my Tai Chi teacher. My Tai Chi teacher said the same thing to me. He's teaching me Bagua, you know, and I'm, I'm sending him these videos, and he's teaching me long distance. And then he wrote back and he said, okay, now make it beautiful. I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sounds, yeah I, I get it. I get you know, it. Sounds like what I tell my students, you know. So, so tell me some more about Charlie, about studying with Charlie, man. I, I think that's really fascinating. Well, it was at the Atlantic Center for the Arts in Florida. Yeah. And it's a great facility that's still open. Um, uh, and they had <clears throat> different musicians for a summer studies program. It was last, it was a three weeks program. <clears throat> and before Charlie came, they had Don Cherry well, one, yeah. one year. Elvin Jones was down there. Don Cherry, Carla Blay did a thing. Well, yeah. And it was just this little place in the middle of a swamp almost. <laughs> they have they would have three artists for each session. And, you know, I, I didn't study with all three, but it, they had like a playwright. They had Romulus Lenny, a famous playwright, and they had a famous sculptor named James Searles and uh, Charlie Hayden. Wow. <clears throat> and so we, we, we just met every day at 10 o'clock. It was a group of me and maybe three or four other bass players and a guitar player and a saxophone player. <clears throat> in this room, you know, and Charlie was there and we, it was interesting. It was, it was, you know, pretty non-structured, you know, <laughs> he, he, he would play us, he would play us uh, examples of, of things that he dug, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of Bill Evans trio. With really Paul Motion, he played us a lot of examples of, with Paul Motion. Uh, yeah. Um, because you know he really loved Paul Motion. Yeah, and they uh, played so well together, man. Oh yeah. They did together, God. Just oh yeah. yeah. And they played together with Mose Allison. You know. Oh yeah, you, yeah. You told me that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <coughs> I got allergies today. It's ragweed. Yeah, it's a bad. <laughs> It's really bad these right now. Um, so you know, we would listen to some stuff, and we'd listen to Charlie talk, tell some stories, yes. and we'd ask some questions, 
and he would get up and play a lot. He played a lot. That's great. Yeah. And you know, when I, when he, the first time he picked up his bass and stood standing 20 feet away from me played, I was just like, Oh my God. It's, um, <clears throat> so he, we would take, you know, we, we'd listen to stuff. He would, we'd take a tune like a rhythm changes tune and just play the bridge. He just have us play the bridge over, you know, series of two fives yeah, yeah. or just sometimes the whole tune. And we did that for just like a whole day, you know, just, just played. Everybody would get up and play, play over rhythm changes. Segment, I believe, is the tune we were, we were doing. And uh, and he would, you know, he would critique us a little bit, you know. He told me that that I lo- that my intonation was bad when I went up in the upper register. He said I needed, I needed to work on my intonation when I went up in the upper register. So I said, okay, great. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah perfect, and, right, yeah. And, uh, but you know, you, I remember one time I was standing up, I just played something and he's like, you know, we've got an awesome responsibility as musicians, you know, like we're, we're the shaman of the modern day. We can make people feel good. And so it's an awesome responsibility. And it was like this whole 20 minute thing about somehow it wound up. He was talking about, we were talking about Hiroshima or something, you know, <laughs> and I'm standing with my bass and he was, Everybody got kind of dark, you know, and stood there and like, he said, okay, play it again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, it was better, you know, I don't know why, yeah. maybe it was more focused and was, I don't know what it, yeah. what, what it was, but, yeah. but he never talked about like technique or reading music or anything. It was, you know, spiritual-esque right. kind of. Right. And a lot of stories, you know, I'm and a lot sure of playing, a lot of playing and hanging out, you know, going out to eat. Sometimes that's yeah. just as important, you know, just sitting across the table from somebody, you know, talk. Sure, he was extremely, he was extremely generous and I could yeah. ask him anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, he was my first and biggest influence on the bass for sure. I can hear it, man. Yeah. That kind of, many, you know, in the past. You know, you, to me, you have that kind of soulful approach to playing as well. You know, I mean, that's, well, I the, that's the thing. You know, was, I mean, I try to convey this to my students too. Is the, the most important thing is how does it feel, man? What you're playing, how does it mm-hmm. feel? Mm-hmm. Is the groove good? You know, people want what makes people want to play with you is if it feels good. You know, right? right. Yeah. So I was yeah, talking with cool. Frank Frank about that one time and. <clears throat> He said in New York, nobody ever says, says, man, wow, did you hear that guy's technique the other night? Yeah. Like, well, wow, man, did you hear all those notes that guy played in his solo? He said, anytime anybody talks about another musician, it's like, man, his feel, his time, his sound. Right. That's right. the first thing that comes up. And that's, you know, I think I was lucky to have an influence like Charlie to make that. Yeah something sure. that, that, that comes up first, you know? Yeah. Because uh, the other stuff you can learn later. Because you know? <laughs> what? Because say that. The other stuff you can learn later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. But you got to have that feel, right? <coughs> right. Yeah. So tell me some more about Frank. Frank's a mutual friend. You know, um, in fact, I met Frank, kind of met Frank, was kind of introduced to him through you because you recorded some with him. Yeah. And, 
I think that's probably yeah, the met, first place I play. Frank playing was on some of your recordings. Man, I met Frank at ASU. Like I said, you know, um, he was from Roxboro, North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, we played together in the jazz, in the jazz big band. And, you know, hung out a lot. Frank was always in the practice room and he would, he was kind of a self-taught dude because there wasn't, no, there was no jazz piano teacher there at ASU at the time. And he would, you know, he would stay in the practice room all day and we'd, we'd, you know, go get him and say, come on, let's go get something to eat, Frank, you know, come on, let's get some fresh air, Frank, you know, (laughs) he would be this, he'd go in here and he'd be playing Stella by Starlight and he would, or some or something like that, you know. He would say, "This is how Gary Peacock. This is how uh, Herbie Hancock would play it, and he would play it in the style of Herbie. This is how Bill Evans would play it. He would play it in the style of Bill, Bill Evans. But you know, he he was Frank was, you know, he was uh, had perfect pitch. You know, his mom was a piano teacher. Uh, he was oldest of like four or five brothers. Yeah, right. And uh, he had perfect pitch, and and he just he was the most he was one of the most brilliant musicians I've ever known. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, we, we like to say, we, we, we kind of grew a lot together. We discovered a lot of jazz together. And, um, you know, he got to go to New York. He and some other friends of mine got to go. And I was, I was, had uh, just gotten married and was expecting, you know, my wife was expecting a, baby and i was like oh man and guys are going to new york and i gotta be here <laughs> but at that point i don't think i was ready i just started playing bass you know right, right. Uh, yeah but frank uh, we stayed good friends i mean we were we were we were good friends all the way up until he passed you know yeah. we talk call, talk to each other on the phone about once a month or sometimes more you know, he would say, oh, have you heard so-and-so's new record? You know, and you got to gotta check this out. And yeah. When I go to New York, we would go shop. We would go to Tower Records when it was open, you know. Yeah. And, and, and a bunch of other little obscure record places that Frank knew about. <clears throat> but, yeah, I learned a lot from Frank. And yeah. Helped me turn me on to a lot of good music. and. Yeah. He's a good guy. I wish I'd gotten to know him better, you know, before he, yeah. before he left. But, you know, remember you and I met in Roxburgh and heard him play that solo piano concert. Mm, yeah. That's the first time I met him, actually. And then I ended up going to New York to study with him for a few, for a four or five days. I got a grant from the city here. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. So we went up and spent a few days studying with Frank and talking to, like you said, having lunch and talking for two or three hours, you know. Yeah, I, I, from that, I got a lot out of that. He, he walked you all over town too. <laughs> and that guy would walk you. He, he would. He would never take the subway or get a cab in Manhattan. He walked. He would walk for five miles, man. <laughs> oh man. So man, it's about. Um, I don't want to. I hate to wrap this up. I don't want to wrap it up. But it's a quarter after, and I want to ask you a couple of other sort of uh, questions about a few things. First of all. Uh, you and I have made a couple CDs together. You, you've been on a couple of my trio CDs, um, playing some of my music, and then we made that quartet CD together, which is I think is just great, man. I'm I'm really proud of that CD. In fact, I'm out of them. I can't. I thought I, 
more when I'm out. But uh, I'm really, I really love that CD, you know. And I want to ask you, what else do you have? What else do you, what else are you doing right now? What other projects do you have going on currently? Um, well, I have my own quartet. Um, I, I was doing the bass, the tribute to the bass players project. Right. Right. Um, and I still do some of those tunes and I still want to do some more with you too, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll get to um, on that. Yeah, but we'll get to. after the pandemic and everything, it just seemed like that was already kind of yesterday's news. <laughs> you know? um, so I got a quartet with uh, two, get two electric guitars and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and I play uh, about half electric bass gotcha. and about half, uh acoustic or marcoustic <laughs> my 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 uh, marcoustico bass that i i got oh yeah yeah new bass yeah you, you play it that sounds like an upright i mean it's yeah it, yeah, it works really well yeah. Yeah. yeah sounds great uh, man. i couldn't if i had my back turned i don't think i could tell the difference you know? nobody can you know i had it i was yeah. up at colstein's bass shop and i played a recording of it for the guy in colstein to say you want to hear my new bass and it's like Ooh, you know, what a beautiful tone. What a rich tone. I said, you want to see a picture of it? <laughs> he was like, what the, you know? <laughs> um, that's great. So it's, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, that's that quartet. I'm trying to book. Yeah. Uh, we, we do a little more, I guess, I, I guess, lack of a better word, out <laughs> kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, the, the two guitar players, uh, Troy Kahn and Scott Sawyer, are, are, uh, are very pedal laden, uh, texture happy guitar players. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's what I should call it the texture happy quartet. Texture happy, but uh, yeah, they can get a lot of sounds out of two guitars. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, we do some stuff, you know, some of my more, you know, um, <clears throat> outsider material. Yeah, I think yeah. avant garde is probably not the right word anymore, you know, but. Sure. So let me ask you about that. Or is it stuff that you've written? Is it original material? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most yeah, of yeah. it's most of it's original. Um, Can I ask you something about that? Because part of what this podcast is about is about exposing young musicians to to learning about playing mm -hmm. and learning about writing. And I like to talk about composing. In fact, I just did a. You saw I sent you that article I wrote that I'm going to make an episode out of about composing for jazz. So how do you think about writing something like that? How do you approach it? You mean like that type of music? Yeah, or well, whatever, or whatever in general. You know, is there a certain was, way that you approach writing stuff? Or um, well, you know, I I, I don't do so, something I should do, which is sit down and try to write something every day. I, I don't do that. Yeah. <clears throat> I usually have to get an idea that floats around in, in my head. You know, it comes in different ways. Um, like my tune, um, Rhizome, you know, the one that's, you played at yeah. Rhizome in 11. Sure. Right. I wrote that bass line one night when the power was out in my house. Yeah. And, and, and I, didn't, I couldn't do anything, you know, except play my bass. And I was just kind of in, in, in the dark and candlelight. And I just was playing these riffs. And I, I started playing that one over and over again. I'm like, that's, so I wrote it down and realized it was an 11. <clears throat> and, uh, and the one I wrote, I wrote, wrote a couple during the pandemic. Um, one's called Payson. And it, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, um, I was, so the inspiration sort of came from Dave Holland. Some of those uh, 
things he did he did for ECM yeah, back yeah. in the nineties. <laughs> um, it was kind of like angular. It it yeah. was kind of I was trying to convey the the uh, feeling of being confined and not being able to go out and not being able to do anything. So I was pacing, right. you know. That's yeah, that's right. that I got the inspiration from that. Um, yes. I uh I, I I think it songs kind of I'm inspired by things yeah. to write. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. You know, um you know, just just sometimes if you're just messing around on your instrument and you'll hit a couple of you play a melody or a dinner or an interval and it's like, oh, that you know, write that down, you know, <laughs> or record it, you know. And sure, uh yeah. But it comes in different ways. It comes in different ways. I don't, I don't. It's my experience too. Yeah. But I've been getting some work uh, in the last two or three years, arranging string parts for people's yeah. records. Pretty cool. And, yeah. and that's, uh, that's, you know, that's, I'm a really late bloomer at that, but you know, yeah. the things that I'm doing are not very difficult. I mean, you know, there's a lot of singer songwriter stuff with, with string quartet or string trio, uh, but that's fun. That's, that's a whole different mindset, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Man. <clears throat> but yeah. Um, so I've got uh, that, my, my quartet. <clears throat> and um, I'm playing with a group in Charlotte. That's really fun. It's a lot of fun. I play electric bass on this. Uh, it's called jazz is led led like Led Zeppelin. And we play Led Zeppelin oh, okay. songs with a, wow. with a jazz fusion quartet consisting of electric bass electric guitar uh, violin electric violin and drums well it's all it's like our, our arrangements of the led zeppelin songs yeah. a lot of deep cuts we have a lot of deep cuts and a lot of, you know we, we, we take a lot of liberties with time like we do that's you know moby dick i don't know if you know that led zeppelin thing maybe if you do that in five you know stuff like that <laughs> and uh but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of yeah, fun. Exactly. It's a different thing for me because I've been playing more more electric bass lately. Uh, some for some out of necessity and some out of just fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I injured my shoulder, as you know, a couple of years ago, yeah, and yeah, my left okay. shoulder made it. It's coming pretty well. I'm doing I'm doing more and more gigs on upright without without oh, without much pain without. Yeah. And those two, those two things, my, my thing there and uh, the jazz is led, keep me busy. Plus I do the first Friday of every month at the Beckler Museum. Yeah, right, right. We have, we have guests come in every month. We had Christian Tambor on Vibes oh, last yeah. week. Okay. And uh, yeah, we got uh, Justin, Justin Ray. I think next oh, yeah, month yeah, yeah. coming down from Asheville to do Art Blakey. Uh, we know it's a themed thing, you know, like we had Lavelle Bradford came in. We did the music of Cedar Walton a couple months ago. Um, yeah, I've done did, a couple of those. With you. Yeah, you have. You've done a couple of them. You did the one. You did the McCoy Tyner one. We did the McCoy Tyner thing, and we did a one night. We did a Latin, like a Latin yeah. jazz. Thing. That's with yeah. uh, uh, Nelson Ria on bass. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah, a couple of yeah, that was fun. Man. The McCoy yeah. thing was that was challenging, man. That was high energy, man. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh man, it was. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I've been busier in the last three weeks than I have been. I think even since before the pandemic. Well, good man. That's and good. I made a, I made a decision to, I made a decision kind of to scale back on what I was, what I'm doing. You know, I'm not, I'm not taking every, not now anyway. I'm not taking every, every you know, every brewery gig, you know, that comes my way. Sure. Uh, sure. I, I wanted to play the gigs that, that are fun with people I like playing with. And absolutely. And that's, 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 it's, it's turning, turning out pretty, pretty nicely. Yeah. That's good. It's more fulfilling man, when you play the music that means something. it is. Yeah. I mean, I got tired of playing gigs when I, when I'd get in the car, you know, after the gig, I was like bummed out. Yeah, 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 right. Or you know, man, I wasted so much time learning this music, and yeah, you know, right. yeah, you know, whatever, you know. Um, yeah. But now, now I'm trying to play stuff that's fun and with people that I like. Absolutely, and, man. And that's that's what it's all about. It's about for me right now, it's about getting back to yeah. to how to the reason I got into music in the first place. Yeah, we've which, talked about this before, you know. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, I mean, the reason that, that I wanted to play music was because it was fun, you know? Yeah, right, right. That's <laughs> why I, I wanted it to be fun, you know? Sure, right, exactly. Um, and I look at some of these guys, I, I, know, I know friends of mine who, who are not professional musicians, they have a day job, but they have a band that they play in. It's fun for them. Fun. And they love it. And then it's, they're just as much into it as I am, you know? Sure. And I thought, you know, that's not such a bad thing. Yeah. I remember absolutely. when James, James Cleveland, the trombone player came to ASU for a clinic one time, he was talking to the music students. That's when I was teaching as an adjunct there. Uh, he said, you know, when you guys are going to be music majors, that means you're going to be playing for a living. Um, it means you're going to be playing a lot of music you don't really care about, you know? Yeah. And he said, if you really want to play music you care about, which I think he was meant jazz, you know, he said, if you really want to play the music you care about, you got to get yourself some apartments. (laughs) 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 So so that way you make your money from rent, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, then you can play what you want, you know, (laughs) it's like to me, it sounded weird at the time as as a younger person, but now I'm like, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, I think that's one reason I'm focused so much on teaching now. You know, because uh, I mean, I like teaching for one thing. You know, but uh, yeah, focus on the music that you like. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, that's what that's what I'm trying to do. You know, at one yeah. at one point in my life, I wanted to be a utilitarian musician. I just wanted to be able. To, go out and play shows, go out and do this, go out, you know, do stuff. And then I wound up doing that to a little of an extent, but I wound up playing a lot of, a lot of music. I just like, yeah, I don't care about it. And the reason I got into music was to have fun and to care about what I'm playing. Play music you like. Yeah. Yeah. With people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, it's about, I know you got to go in just a minute. Um, I want to say you and I are playing together November 12th here in Greenville at yes. the Sigel Music Museum. I really look, we haven't had a lot of chances. We played together once this summer up at, uh, in Saluda. Yeah, back in July. Recently, so I'm looking forward to 
playing with you. We're going to play some new stuff. Uh, I got some new tunes that we're going to play together. I hope. Yeah, I've been and, listening uh, to them. Uh, what you sent? Yeah, I'm going to send some more. But uh, and also, I hope we're going to at some point we're going to make another CD uh, when we get around to writing. Stuff. I just wrote two new tunes in the last couple of weeks, so uh, I'm trying to get some more material for that for us to play as well. And I actually wrote a tune for Ron. It's called "Walk Don't Run." My <laughs> walk don't run. Walk W O K walk like walk don't run. <laughs> walk don't R O N run. Yeah, for Ron. Yeah, for you. Man. Oh, oh, free, free form. <laughs> it's, a, it's a free, free improv tune, you know. So. Oh yeah, there's a lot of you know. I love that. Yeah, I love, I know, playing, I that. I love yeah. playing that way. To me, that's. Yeah. I mean, I I love playing in that style because. Yeah. To me, it exemplifies everything there is about jazz. I mean, you're, you're yeah, I agree. I and agree. and and a lot of people mistakenly think, oh well, you're just playing anything that comes into your head, but you're not. You're playing with other people, and you're playing. Uh, and with, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. you're playing the the uh, the essence of the song. I agree. You know, I agree. Yeah. Well, we're gonna do some of that on the on November twelfth. So. Oh yeah, man, that'd be fun. So anything else you want to say here? Uh, your website is ronbrindle.com. Is that right? Yes. And uh, people should go check it out. I'm sitting here. Actually, I have it pulled up here on my tablet. And, man, you've got quite a discography, quite a varied discography here, you know, all kind uh, of different styles of things, you know. Well, I, but, um, I, that's one of the things I really dug about Charlie, you know, in the beginning was like he could you know, play with Ornette Coleman. He could play with with Pee Wee Russell, you know, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> playing traditional New Orleans, you know, he could play with Ricky Lee Jones. He played with James Cotton, the blues harmonic. I played. And that's, that's one of the inspiring things I dug about Charlie. Yeah. 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 That's great, man. Well, anything else you want to say here before we go, before we sign off this time? But I want to uh, congratulate you on your podcast and, Oh well, thanks. Let's. And, I'm, I'm going to launch it pretty soon. You'll you'll be, you'll be my first interview. On say, the, I'm looking. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to to the, the gig on November 12th. Yeah, me too. Hopefully, many more to come. Yeah. Thanks for checking out Notes on Jazz. If you want to communicate with me, I offer free consultations. Just check the podcast notes for a link. You can also find a link to my website for CDs, downloads, and videos. See you next time at Notes on Jazz.